All right, what's up, Central? You guys doing good? It's good to see you. Uh, my name is Tim. I haven't had the pleasure to meet you yet. Uh, super excited that you're here. Before we get to the message, a couple things I just want to highlight uh, how, how God's moving around here. Why don't you know at Easter, man, we had 15 people commit their lives to Jesus right here in the room and three people online, which I think is pretty awesome. And then uh, last week, man, six of you, six people in the Central family went public their faith, got baptized. We're fired up for that. Super glad. Grateful for you, grateful for what God's doing in your life, and we're just honored to be a part of it. Hey, have you ever felt like your life is stuck in a rut? Uh, I, I've not been to Alaska, but, but I've heard there are two seasons in Alaska. There's uh, winter, and then there's July. And, uh, and when July hits, all the snow begins to melt off the, off the mountains. And, and in the back rugged country of Alaska, there's, there's primarily mud roads, dirt roads. But in the, most of the year, it doesn't matter because it's frozen solid and you can drive on them without any issues. But in July, as the snow melts, it gets muddy. And as cars drive over those muddy roads, they create ruts. And I've been told that there's a sign in, in a couple of these backcountry roads that says, choose carefully your rut because you will be in it for the next 60 miles. Now, all of us know what it feels like to be caught in a rut, thinking the same thoughts, doing the same things, experiencing the same problems. It's like we're, we're hopelessly, we're helplessly entrenched in muddy backcountry and whenever those ruts get really deep, when our, our tires go all the way in, it's like we can just let go of the re wheel and we just have to hang on for the ride. And once the rut is over, then we can come out and go different, different directions. So let's talk about that for a moment. Let's talk about your mind. Let's talk about the way that your brain actually works. Every thought you think produces neurochemical changes in your brain. Your brain is literally redesigning itself around that thought. The brain is the command center of, of your body that directs your, your body to do different things through neurons. Neurons link together to create, to create messages. And the same message sent multiple times over and over create neurological pathways in your mind. The presence of a neurological pathway makes it easier to think that same thought again and to take the same action again and again. Uh, think of neurological pathways as ruts in your brain. Uh, ruts in the road, they, they are, they're created by repetition. They're created by, by driving the same spot over and over. In the same way, your brain is creating ruts as you, you think that thought. You, you take action in the same pathway again and again and again. And your, your brain, is, it triggers, it fires certain, certain signals to let you know, hey, let's do this path again. Let's take this pathway again because it, we, we've taken it before. It's trusted, trusted territory. Some ruts are good though, right? Some ruts, like uh, hopefully whenever you go to brush your teeth, you're not thinking about your circular motion. Am I doing this properly? Whenever you go to put on deodorant, you're not like, is my form correct? Uh, whenever you wash your hair, like you're not, not, it's on autopilot, right? Because you've created a neurological pathway in your brain that tells you I can wash my hair this way and this is okay. Uh, there's some, some neurological pathways that you can create that will lead you to becoming the best version of yourself. There's some neurological pathways you can create that, that will lead you towards God and the, the life he created you to live. There's also some neurological pathways we've created in our brain that lead us be, to become a, a lesser version of ourselves, that, that lead us to live a broken story, that, that lead us to live a life that's less than God's best for our life. Both ruts, good and bad, are created by thought repetition. 
so, so here's some, some good news. You guys ready for some good news? All right, here's some good news. You're in control of your thoughts. You're in control of that. What kind of rut you create in your life, what kind of actions you take repeatedly is really up to you. That's why the apostle Paul says with all this conviction, he says, he says we take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. He wouldn't say it if it weren't possible. You have the authority, you have the ability to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. In other words, you can get out of some old ruts and you can create some new pathways that lead to a new life. All of us can make a choice to change our thinking. And by changing our thinking with God's help, we will change our life. We will experience life transformation. Here's what Paul says in Romans 12 too. He, he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. In other words, don't, don't stay in old ruts, but here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna be transformed. We're gonna create some, some new pathways. How do we do that? By renewing our mind. The battle is won or lost in our, in our mind. That's why it's important for us to think about what we think about. We talked about that last week. Uh, Craig Rochelle says this. Here's a, a quote from him. He says, your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And for some of us, it's just good for us to pause and say, do we like the direction our life is going? It, it, because the thoughts you've thought up to this point have gotten you to the place where you are. And so if you want to go in a different direction, then we have to change our thinking. And with God's help, we're going to change our thinking and therefore change our life. Last week, we examined uh, our thoughts. We identified uh, what's the greatest stronghold holding you back. And here's the deal. All of us have them. A stronghold is simply, we defined it as this. It's a lie we've embraced as truth. So, so the, the enemy's fed you a lie, but you've, you've grabbed it and now you've digested it as truth and that has become a stronghold in your mind and because you've told yourself that lie over and over and over again the thought repetition has created a rut that leads you to a lesser version of what God's created you to be and last week we also talked about identifying some truth that demolishes the stronghold right and so so we're going to identify truth just as the enemy feeds you lies God gives you truth through his word to demolish strongholds uh, Paul said this our battle's not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers in this, this dark world. He, he says, he says we, we, we demolish strongholds. And how do we do that? We, we demolish strongholds with truth. So we identify the stronghold, we demolish them with truth. And now uh, that's not just something that we can do on Sunday. Like we can talk about it on Sunday, but then like Monday comes, it's like, yeah, it's freedom, right? No, like we, we created some pathways. We created some ruts and ruts just don't fill in overnight. We got to do some, some road repair, if you will, in our, in our mind. And so, so remember, ruts are created by repetition. The more you think a thought, the more you, you, you embrace the lie as truth, the easier it is to have that thought again. But today, uh, by, by God's word, uh, we're gonna identify some solutions. We're gonna create some new pathways and get out of old ruts. You guys ready for that? Okay, awesome. Uh, because we believe God's word is powerful, why don't you stand with me as we read God's word together? We're gonna be looking at Philippians chapter four and verse eight. When we get to the red letter words, help me out, help me read those words out, out loud. Here it is, Philippians four, verse eight. It says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. We're gonna fix our thoughts on what's true, on what's honorable and what's right, on what's pure and lovely and admirable. We're gonna, 
we're going to think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Now, Paul's writing this to the church in Philippi. If you're with us through our study uh, through Philippians, we've spent several weeks this year uh, in, in the book of Philippians going verse by verse. And, and if you're with us, then you remember that Paul's writing this from a Roman prison. Paul has been unjustly accused. He's been in prison for four years. This is a man on house arrest. He's literally in chains. He's chained 18 inches away from a Roman guard, 24-7, 365 days out of the year. He's experiencing none of the creature comforts that you and I enjoy on a daily basis. Yet the apostle Paul's words throughout this letter are dripping with joy. How is that? Because maybe he's fixed his thoughts on some things that you haven't. Maybe he, he marinates, maybe he thinks on some things that maybe, maybe we don't. And he's changed his thinking and therefore he's changed his life. He's created some new neurological pathways in his brain. The New King James Version puts it this way. It says, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate, meditate on these things. God, we thank you for your word that leads us into all truth. And God, your word has the authority to demolish strongholds that the enemy set up in our minds. So God, I pray today you'd help your church to identify strongholds they've embraced as truth, identify lies they've embraced as truth. And God, that your truth would set them free. God, I pray you'd help us, give us courage to take action on the word you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can go ahead and have a seat. Uh, that word is an interesting word. Let's pull up that, that passage again, uh, Philippians 4.8. This word, uh, the, the NLT translates think. The NIV says think. The New King James says meditate. Uh, this Greek word, the New Testament is primarily written in Greek. Uh, your Old Testament in Hebrew. The Greek word here for meditate is logizomai. Logizomai. Now, for everyone that loves math, you're going to appreciate this. So I did a word study this week. We get our English word logarithm from this, this, this Greek word, logizomai. Now, now, I don't know what you think of whenever you think of logarithm. For some of you, you have joy because you love long calculating uh, formulas. Like it's a, it's a mathematical expression that, that for some people brings joy. And honestly, if that's you, I don't understand the way your mind works. Um, but it does. And they love spreadsheets. They love logarithms. They love long mathematical equations. For others of you, like you get PTSD when you hear logarithm uh, because of that high school algebra class that we barely passed. For others in the room, we've never even heard the word logarithm. Uh, but wherever you are, here's what the apostle Paul is saying. He's saying, he's saying this, this word applies to your life. Just as it, it requires, it, it requires us to think. It requires us to meditate, to give careful attention. And what do we give careful attention to? Things that are true, things that are honorable, things that are lovely, things that are excellent, things that are admirable and worthy of praise. Paul's saying the same intense, prolonged concentration that goes into figuring out a logarithm should go into carefully curating the thoughts that we allow into our mind. Because your, 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 your thoughts are going to take your life in a direction for better or for Worse, Paul is calling us to take an offensive posture to the thoughts that we think so that we can win the war in our mind. Here's what science and the Bible both say. They say the thoughts you think will result in the life you live. Both science and the Bible say that. Neuroscience says this. Psychologists say this. The word of God is replete. The thoughts you think lead to the life that you live. So we fix our thoughts 
not on what CNN says, not on what Fox News says, but things that are, 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 are honorable, things that are lovely, not what's burning today, but what's, what's true, what's, what's praiseworthy. And in doing so, we create new neurological pathways. We don't disregard what's happening in our world, but we see it through a lens of faith that says, my God is for me, so who can be against me? He still holds the world in his hands, and I'm on his side. So we can take this posture of faith as we encounter life's challenges. Uh, any Karate Kid fans here in the house? Any Karate Kid fans? Yeah. Uh, question, new Karate Kid or old Karate Kid? How many for the old Karate Kid movies? Yeah. How about the new ones? New ones? Hey, Chris, you, this is a safe place for you, bro. I appreciate the courage uh, to raise your hand on that one. Well, the new Karate Kid, uh, my favorite character in all Karate Kid movies is Mr. Miyagi. Wax on, wax off. I, I just love it. Uh, but, but Mr. Miyagi in the new ones is played by Jackie Chan. And Jackie Chan has one of my favorite quotes of all time in this Karate Kid movie. And Jackie Chan says this, the great theologian Jackie Chan says, your focus need more focus. Your focus need more focus. That's what, that's what essentially what Paul is saying here. Paul's saying we need prolonged concentration on things that are right, things that are pure, things that are lovely, things that are admirable. We focus on those things. The Bible offers a solution to win this war in our mind. From beginning to end, this one word appears over and over again in the word of God, and that word is meditate. Meditate. Your focus allows you to focus so it can bring more focus to our focus. Meditation is simply a simple definition is to engage in a mental exercise to focus one's thoughts. To be clear, like Eastern meditation and Christian meditation are, are not the same things. So in Eastern meditation, the primary goal is to empty one's mind with the intention of reaching the state of nirvana. Christian meditation is like the opposite of that. Christian meditation has the goal of filling our minds, not emptying our minds, but we fill our minds with scripture, with truth of God's word, with the intent to, to know God better, with the intent to become people created in his image, with the intent to identify who he's created us to be, with the intent to live an abundant life that he has for us, that we can not just know the word of God, we can apply the word of God. So we fill our thoughts, we meditate on the truth of scripture. Like I mentioned, the New Testament's primarily written in Greek, the Old Testament primarily in Hebrew. We looked at the, the Greek word, logizomai. Uh, it requires intense concentration, intense focus. Paul says, do that. Do that. Focus on things that are true and honorable and pure. And now we're going to look at the Hebrew word. But before we get there, quick question. Uh, how many of you, if I were to ask you, you would like to live a life that is prosperous and successful? Like we all, like, yeah. I mean, if you're not raising your hand, you're a liar. Because all of us <laughs> want to live a life that is prosperous and successful. It's almost like a rhetorical question. Well, the Bible gives us a, a, a pathway to live a life in the, the eyes of the kingdom of God, I think in the eyes of, of men and women, that is prosperous and successful. It talks about in a couple different places. We're going to look at two of them today. Uh, but, but just want to set that up. So prosperous and successful. So this dude named Joshua takes over the nation of Israel. He's literally leading millions of people. His predecessor, Moses, has just died. So, so now Joshua's, he's been his right hand. Now he, he, he's going to carry the full weight, the full mantle of responsibility after Moses is going away. And, and so God shows up to Joshua and he talks to him about some things. And here's what, here's what God says to Joshua in Joshua chapter one and verse eight. He says, he says this, he says, do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to meditate. meditate, meditate on it day and night 
so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And if you do, then you'll be prosperous and successful. So if we're, we all want this, right? But if we're going to experience what it means to be prosperous and successful, it's going to require something of us. And what's it require of us? God's word says it's going to require us to meditate on his word day and night so that we may be careful to do it. Because remember, our thoughts are always going to carry us in direction towards action, meditate, this word in the Hebrew language is haga. It's, if, you're taking, if you're an extra note taker, uh, it's H-A-G-A-H. H-A-G-A-H. And it's like the Hebrew language is very guttural. So you kind of have to clear your throat. It's like haka, like almost like a Mr. Miyagi punch, but it's haka, haka. And so haga is where we get our English word meditate. You might find it interesting that the same word haga, where we get our word meditate, is also the same word that translates into our English language as ruminate or, or ruminant animals. To, to ruminate means to think a thought over and over and over again. Uh, leading psychologists are now saying the number one cause of suicide in our world today is ruminating. We ruminate on all the wrong things. We fix our thoughts on things that are destructive. We fix our thoughts on our problems. And so our problems just get bigger and bigger and bigger and lead us to this place of hopelessness where the only path we see out is to take our own life. Psychologists say that. Now, God's word also uses that word ruminate. It's this Hebrew word haggah. Now, there's, it's an agricultural term. Um, uh, there's ruminant animals. Uh, so cows are ruminant animals. Uh, giraffes are ruminant animals. Elk, deer, buffalo, goats, sheep are ruminant animals. And throughout the Bible, we're referred to, to God's people, the sheep, of his pasture, and so it's assumed that we would be ruminant creatures. Now, now, ruminating animals, what that means is they have multiple chambers in their, heart, in, their, in their stomach, rather, and so it allows them to chew some food, swallow it, haga, bring it back up, <laughs> chew it some more, swallow it. This is where it gets weird. Haga, and they bring it back up. Over and over again, they're ruminating, they're, they're meditating, they're thinking about it over and over again. They're chewing it repeatedly. So what, is, what does God tell Joshua is going to be the key to his success? To, to ruminate, to, to chew on God's word, to think about it, to digest it, and then to bring it back to mind. Chew on it some more. Digest it. Chew on it some more. Digest it. Bring it back up day and night. Not just one time. It's not just a one sit down meal. It's not you grab a happy meal and you be on your way. No, haga. Like day and night. We're chewing on it. On the truth of, of God's word. So I, sorry, that's a little bit gross, but it's God's word. So hey, it's what we're called to do. Vivid imagery there for you to remember how to meditate. Uh, basically, we all know how to meditate though, right? Like if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. Because it's looking at the problem. And it consumes you, right? You look at it, well, when they say this, I'm going to say this. And whenever they go that, I'm going to step in, I'm going I'm to I'm say this. And, and like you have this conversation, this dialogue over and over in your head about a problem that isn't even taking place in front of you. In that moment, you're meditating. In that moment, you're ruminating. You're a haga over and over again on the problem. The Bible invites you, rather than meditating all that's wrong in your life, to focus on the goodness and the glory of God and all that's right in your life. And in doing so, you create new neural pathways in your mind. You renew your mind with truth. You get out of old ruts and you create new pathways that lead you to become the human that you desire to be. Uh, 
there's an old quote and it, it goes like this. It says, watch your thoughts, they become your words. Watch your words, they become your actions. Watch your actions, they become your habits. Watch your habits, they become your character. Watch your character, it becomes your destiny. All starts with your thoughts, but it leads you to your destiny. Be very careful what you allow into your mind. Be very careful the thoughts you think over and over again. Be very careful what you allow your mind to meditate on because it will lead to the life that you have. Um, I love Zig Ziglar. I had to sit on this one for a little while. Here's a Zig Ziglar quote. Uh, If you're a Zig Ziglar fan, you might appreciate this one, but it does require a little bit of concentration. It says, Ziglar says this, repetition is the mother of learning and the father of action, which makes it the architect of accomplishment. Repetition, what you do over and over and over eventually becomes who we are. The thoughts we think repeatedly play out in our life, shapes our character, shapes our thinking, ultimately leads to our destiny. What we think about is a really big deal. Here's another passage in Psalm chapter one. Psalm chapter one, uh, a Psalm of, of David, and, uh, and it says, says this, it says, blessed, anybody want to be blessed? Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight, and I just like that word delight. When I see that word delight, I think of like a big old banana split, like different flavors of ice cream, whipped cream on top, hot fudge, little cherry on top. I delight. The psalmist is saying, I delight in your word like Tim delights in, uh, in banana splits. Like I just, I love it. I can't wait to digest. I can't wait to dive into it. He delights in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he, haga, day and night, chews it, swallows it, haga, over and over again. It, the man who does that, he is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. You think about this, like when you're, you're tree planted by streams of living water, everybody else is freaking out, you're cool. Everybody else is gonna worry about where their resources are gonna come from, you're by the stream. They're, they're withering, they're dying, you're flourishing. It's the image of, of a man who's meditating on God's word. Whatever he does prospers. We want that, but it requires action on our part. And the action it requires according to the word of God is to meditate to ruminate on God's word day and night. Psalm 77 verse 12 says this, I will meditate on your works and consider your mighty deeds. Your ways, O God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? Listen, you meditate on how great God is. Your problems lose their power. As you view God to a greater degree, your problems begin to shrink. Meditate on God. Consider his works. Like, like go outside and look at the stars. Go for a walk and like, we live in San Jose. Like there's flowers everywhere. Like consider, God, you're so creative. I'm gonna think about all you've done. I'm gonna meditate on your works. Psalm 119, I will, I'm gonna meditate on your precepts. I'm gonna fix my eyes on your ways. Listen, there's a whole lot of things you can fix your eyes on this week. There's a whole lot of things you can fix your attention on today. God's invitation to you is to fix your thoughts, to think about, 
things that will bring you life. Meditate on his word. Psalm 134 says this, or 43 rather. I remember the days of old. I, I meditate on all you've done. I ponder the works of your hands. We could look at example after example after example, but throughout the Bible, we're called to be people who hagah, who meditate day and night, who, who chew on God's word, digest it, bring it back, chew on it some more and digest it again. It'll allow you, repetition is the architect of your life. You create new neural pathways. The more you think about, the more you meditate on God's word, it's essential for renewing our mind. Now, I know for some of you, you're like, I've heard that gross analogy before, Tim. <laughs> like, I, I've heard Haggah, I've heard you do that before, and that's disgusting. Uh, uh, some of you are like, this is all new for me, and I don't even know what you're talking about. But for all of us, whether you've heard it for the first time or this is something that you've heard on replete, my question is, why does it feel like our lives aren't working the way we want them to? Why do we lack the power to live the way we want? Why do we make so many irrational, self-destructive decisions? Why do we try so hard to change but only go back to doing the very thing that we hate? I think it's because we have wires crossed in our brains. There's something malfunctioning. We're in ruts that we weren't intended to live in. You've seen it in yourself, right? I know I have. I mean, why, why do you commit to stop arguing with your spouse only the very next day to have that argument again? Why do you worry nonstop about things that are outside of your control when you know that there's nothing you can do about it and it just makes you sick? Why do you exaggerate to impress others when you know that's not the type of person you want to be? Why do you freak out about credit card bills and your financial situation only to go and spend more money that you do not have? Why do we scroll aimlessly for hours on social media when, when our friends and family are literally sitting like a few feet away from us? Why do we commit to like lose weight only to go out and buy a soda and a candy bar and binge once again on some food? Why, why do we do this? I think all of us can relate to this to some degree because we, we've created some ruts in our mind that lead us to actions that we don't really want to take, but our, our, our neural pathways have been formed. So whenever we, we see it, something or we, we experience a situation, our, natu- our mind naturally triggers to take us down that pathway once again. So what do we do about it? How do we create some new pathways and get out of old ruts? Maybe Jackie Chan was right. Our focus needs more focus. Maybe, 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 uh, uh, maybe Jorge's right. Haga is what we need. We need, to, we need to meditate on some new things. And maybe Jackie Chan was partially right. It's not just that our focus needs more focus, but our focus does need new focus. We need to focus on new things that lead us to become the people that God created us to be. So here's what we're going to do. This is where your notes begin. So it's kind of backwards. So you're going to get the notes at the end of the message, and here they go. Uh, the first one is this. Uh, we talked about this one last week, so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time. We need to identify the stronghold that holds you back. And I'm repeating this one from last week because this is essential if you're going to win the war in your mind. What is the lie that you have embraced as truth? The enemy's been feeding you lies. He feeds all of us lies. He did it to Jesus. He'll do it to you. He did it to the apostle Paul. Like he's going to do it to you. What's the lie that you've embraced as truth? And here's the deal. We're not going to focus on all 83 of them. Just one. Identify one. Otherwise we get overwhelmed and we think we can't do anything about it. No, just identify one. And we're going to attack it. Remember, you cannot defeat what you do not define. So identify the stronghold, write it down, talk about it, 
It'll lose power the more you talk about it. Identify it, label it, then attack it. Second thing, identify the truth that demolishes that stronghold. What's the truth from God's word? What's the scripture? For every lie the enemy feeds you, there's truth in God's word that refutes the lie. If the enemy tells you you're unworthy, remind yourself, no, I'm God's masterpiece. If God says, like, you want, enemy says you want to amount to nothing, no, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Like, like whatever the lie the enemy's told you, identify the truth that demolishes that stronghold. And then the third thing, here's what we're going to do. This is what we've been talking about today. We're going to meditate on that truth. Meditate on God's word. We're going to meditate on the truth that demolishes the stronghold that's been holding us back. For the remainder of the service, we're actually going to put this into practice. I want to give you five things to help you meditate on God's word. Five areas that will help you meditate on God's word. Now, what are you going to meditate on this week? What are you going to meditate on today? My hope is that you've identified a truth that demolishes the stronghold in your mind. And so maybe right now you have a passage that comes to mind that, that, that is a counteract to the lie that you've been told. So that's your verse. That's what you're going to focus on this week. Uh, and we're going to ruminate on it. We're going to, we're going to practice this. Here's the first thing we're going to do. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to look intently at the truth. In other words, we're not just going to read it quickly. We're going to read, read it slowly. We're going to look at each word. Each word's there for a reason. And so we're going to do a slow read of the truth that demolishes the stronghold. Second thing we're going to do is to memorize truth. Memorize the truth that demolishes your stronghold. So next time the enemy comes with that lie, next time your mind wants to go into that old rut again and take you down that pathway that you do not want to go, wants to take you down the pathway that you know leads to death and not life, the the, the pathway that leads you to, to a life that you were never created to live, then you have truth. You have it memorized. You don't need to pull out your Bible. You don't have to pull out your phone. No, you got it. You got it locked in. And so you can refute the lie with the truth of God's word. A couple of people have asked me, hey, Tim, you know my story. And, and my story, if you don't know, is no one I'm not super proud of. Um, I lived a life that was super destructive for a lot of years. And I hurt a lot of people in that process. And uh, whenever I, I surrendered my life to Jesus, um, the, the most, apart from God's grace, and really it's all, all about God's grace, radical grace at that. But the thing that, that led to the most freedom this exercise of memorizing truth. Because when, when God found me, my wires were all jacked up. I didn't just have one rut, like my life was a rut. Every, every road I took was a rut. And so I just started memorizing God's word. And so whenever those old thoughts would come back, I'd say, no, no, that's not, that's old Tim. That's not who I am. This is who I am. And I'd say it, remind myself about it. Sometimes I'd white knuckle it. That's not me. That's the old me. I'm not going back. You got to memorize truth. It'll lead to your freedom. Second, third thing, research truth. So once you've identified the truth that demolishes the stronghold, you're going to intently look at it. You're going to memorize it. Then you're going to say, what, what is this I'm reading? Like if you have a NIV study Bible, there's footnotes at the bottom of your Bible. Read the verse, then read the notes on it. Uh, look it up on the internet. Like do a word study of it. Uh, my favorite online tool is, is Logos software, L-O-G-O-S. Uh, there's a whole lot of resources, though, available that are great and free. So research it, study it. It'll, it'll help you personalize what you're reading to a new level. And then fourth, we're going to pray the truth. We're going to talk to the author who, who wrote the truth about the truth he told us. 
And ask God, God, give us more insight into this, what you, what, what, this truth that you're telling me. Help me understand it to a greater degree. Help me cement this in my heart and my mind. And then the final one, we're going to tell somebody else the truth. As we go through life, as we're meditating, ruminating on God's word, as we I interact with Pat and I, I see him and he tells me what's going on, I'm going to look for ways to say, hey, here's what God's word says about that. I'm going to look for ways to, to share that truth. You might say, well, hey, what's yours? You know, last week you gave us the gift of going first and you told us what your stronghold is. So what's the truth that demolishes that stronghold? Uh, for me, what I've been thinking about and ruminating on and meditating on is uh, Joshua 1.9. Joshua 1.9 says this. It says, this is my command. Be strong, courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And I'd start applying that. So I look intently into the truth and I don't just read through it, but I, I break it down. Sometimes I'll just write it word for word. And as I just write one word, I think about that word. What does this mean? How, how does this apply to me? And I think about, this is my command. Well, who's my, is it me? No, I read the context of it. And I realize this is God's command. God's speaking here. This is not this is something Tim wants. This is something God wants for me. And it's not a suggestion. It's not a gentle nudge. It's a directive. This is my command for your life, Tim. This is something you need to take very seriously. This is my command. Be strong. I think about what that looks like. I think about steel. I think about things that are hard. I think about things that are tough. I think about strength. How can I be strong today? Be strong and courageous. I think of valor. I think of charging the hill in the midst of enemy fire. I think of, I think of what does courage look like? And I call those things to memory. And I realize, God, you've called me to be strong and courageous. So today, God, I'm going to step into that. You call me to step towards strength. You call me to step towards courage. But you also call me to step away from some things. Do not be afraid. I think about what is it that causes fear in my life? And how do I step away from that? How do I, how do I repent of that? How do I turn away from that? Do not be afraid or discouraged. I'm not going to allow discouragement to take root in my life. I'm going to turn away from that. I'm going to turn towards strength and courage. For the Lord, the Lord, the Hebrew word here is Yahweh. I think about that word. I do a, a little bit of a study on it. And I, I realize that, that, that Yahweh is like the creator God, like the God who, who, who created you in your mother's womb, the God who spoke it caused billions of stars to come into existence. The God who's so creative, like he creates funky like animals and like different flowers and like deep cavernous caves in the depths of the ocean, but also the great expanse of the sky, Yahweh, the creator God, the God who, who Jewish scribes revered the name of Yahweh so much that when they came to this word, as, as a scribe was writing Joshua chapter nine, they would come to this for the, oh wow. They would set down the pen. And they would go take a ritual bath called a, a makalva. And they would, they would say, if there's any sin in my life, wash it off me. Because I'm about to write the name above all names. They would come back from that ritual bathing. And they would write, Yahweh. Then they would go take another bath. Because they just recognized, I'm not worthy to even say his name. Much less write it. That God, for the Lord the God who led the nation of Israel out of bondage in Egypt, the God who parted the Red Sea, the God who spoke and allowed dry bones to become an army, the God, very God. Yeah, that's him. 
for the Lord, Yahweh, your God. Yeah, I got you, you're big. Is with you? That God, the God who owns all the Bitcoin in the world, the God who owns all the banks, who owns all the cattle in a thousand hills, the God who always provides, the God who always protects, the God who's a very present help in time of trouble. For the Lord your God is with you. Not just while you're here in church, not just while I'm reading my Bible, not just while I'm in you version, not just when I'm in small group, but he's with me wherever I go. When I go to work, yeah. When I go home, yeah. When I'm at the ballpark, yeah. Wherever you go. And I look, in, I don't just re, I look intently into it. It allows me to ruminate on it, to think about it. That leads me to be able to memorize it more efficiently. Then I research it to understand the depths of it. Then I pray it back to God. God, I'm so thankful that you've made me strong and courageous. God, today I'm choosing to step away from fear because God, you haven't given me a spirit of fear and timidity, but a power, love, and a sound mind to take action on the things you've asked me to do today. And God, because you're with me, Yahweh, you're with me wherever I go. God, I know there's nothing in front of me that's too big for me or too difficult for you to handle. And God, because you're with me, I'm gonna move forward with courage. I'm gonna move forward with strength. When the enemy comes and tells me I'm not good enough, I say, no, 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 let me just tell you something. He's made me strong. You're talking to the old Tim. He used to believe that lie. New Tim says, no, no, this is who I am. I pray it. I look for windows to tell other people about it. Not just you in this gathering. I was talking to Chris. We were having lunch this week and I said, hey, bro, you got to check out Joshua chapter 1-9. It's been changing my heart, changing my life. I was on a Zoom call with a couple that are considering to move to the bay. They're like, what do you think about us moving to the bay? I'm like, honestly, everyone's moving where you are, so I don't know why you want to move here. Um, but here's what I think. And I shared the good, bad, and the ugly about the Bay Area. And I said, hey, here's the deal. And I just, God brought this passage to my mind at the end of our Zoom call. And I said, hey, I don't want to freak you out, but I think this might be a word from the Lord for you. Here's what I think you need to know. I think, I think God's asking you to be strong. I think he's commanding you to be strong and courageous, not to be afraid or discouraged. Because his promise is that he's going to be with you wherever you are. So whether you move to the bay, he's with you. The important, if you move here, come here as a missionary because we need your help. If you choose not to come here, live as a missionary where you are because God's with you. Never take that for granted. Wherever you go, the main thing is that he is with you. And his promise is that he will be. So we look intently, we memorize the word of God, we research it, we pray it, we talk to others about it. And when we do it, cements God's word in our minds so we can be those people who take action to live a prosperous and successful life by meditating on God's word day and night. So let's look at the points one more time. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna identify the stronghold that's holding you back. What is it for you? Identify the truth that demolishes the stronghold. And my, my invitation to you this week my challenge for you this week, if you're gonna win the war in your mind this week, it's gonna require you to meditate on the truth that demolishes that stronghold in your life. And you, me, will be people that win that war in our mind. Let's pray. Well, Father, we thank you for the truth of your word that sets us free. And God, you invite us to take action, not to live passively in ruts of old thinking and old ways of life, but God, to be transformed by renewing our minds, 
And God, you've given us a clear pathway to do that. So God, I pray you'd help me and all my friends here in this room to do that this week, to find freedom in your word. God, if there's anyone here that feels like they haven't identified the stronghold holding them back, God, I pray you'd speak to them right now about what that is, the lie they've embraced as truth. God, if anyone here doesn't know the uh, truth that combats that stronghold to demolish it with your word, I pray, God, you'd speak to them right now. God, you bring verses to their mind that you allow them in their small group and with friends to identify that truth. For all of us, God, I pray you'd help us to meditate, to to ruminate on your word day and night so that we, we may become the men and women you created us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.